Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One. Welcome to the Cotton Club crew. We're back with our Sober Up recap. We're going to be talking about TCU now. It feels like that game was a lifetime ago. It was really only just this past Thursday. Huge win for the program. Huge win for any chance of eligibility. And huge win just to beat a team like TCU. Now, we're going to talk about all the things that went on in this game, what we learned, what we liked, what we didn't like, and what lessons can be extended going forward, and how are we feeling about Texas Tech heading into a date with Kansas this weekend. We'll have a, re- a preview of Kansas probably Thursday evening for you all. Um, we've also got some pa- basketball podcasts coming up. But first, we've got to talk about the win, win in the battle for the saddle Joe, let's start on the, the let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Baron Morton's return, I think, is is a great topic to start off our podcast. Um, Baron Morton on the get day was twenty eight for thirty six, two eighty two, two TDs, um, seventy nine point six QBR, pretty low yards per completion, um, seven point eight. Tech. Definitely, I think, demonstrated some willingness to, to give his arm a ride, but there was a lot of routes that were called more in the middle of the field, something we've been looking for. A lot of routes called that seem to take more advantage of Texas Tech's best strengths. What do you think of Baron Morton's performance in his return, managing the offense, being more of a game manager, riding Taj Brooks to success? What, what did you see? What did you like there? Well, it was actually a combination of different things there. There was a, a whole lot of shifting on the offensive line that he had to deal with, obviously moving Rusty Rusty to the guard position and bringing Dennis Wilburn in to run the center position. You know how we were having those issues at that game in Provo with, with snaps there and necessarily didn't make things easier for, for Strong whenever he was at the helm. But, I mean, I, 
I think he did well. I mean, given the circumstances, I mean, those AC joint injuries with that shoulder aren't easy to come back from. He was held out of the the BYU game, and then we had the bye week. So all he's been doing is recovering, and he seemed like he had a good a good um feel for the game. It the moment wasn't too big for him. I mean, twenty eight of thirty six, that's solid. Two eighty two, two touchdowns. You know, you can't you can't really ask much more of him. I mean, that's that's staying. You're not turning the ball over. You know, you're handing the ball off to Taj. You're making the easy throws. I mean, if you look at the statistics, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different receivers caught at least a pass on on Thursday um, with Koi Eakin leading the charge there with eight for 78. But, I mean, the ball was distributed around the yard. Great by him. Like I said, ten different receivers had at least one catch. That's big. And overall, like I said, I mean, it's good to have a quarterback back there who knows exactly what they're doing. And I no disrespect to strong. It's just that Baron's been in these situations a whole lot more. And it seemed like the moment wasn't too big for him. The game was slowed down. It was a little rough there. Those first three drives coming out of the half, which we could touch on later if you'd like. But overall, I think Baron's performance was a solid performance and something that you needed needed from your quarterback position given the the state of where the program's at needing to win three of the next four to become bowl eligible yeah i think i i the offense clearly is more confident as a unit when baron Morton's in the game and that's not surprising right like you know jake strong can't move the ball so the offense plays like he can't move the ball uh koi Eakin is continuing to have a great uh, uh season and I think it kind of demonstrated here, you know, he's a very young receiver, but there's a connection between him and Baron Morton. We're at least, at least at the minimum, going to get one more year of that connection unless something crazy happens in the offseason with Will Hammond coming in or Tyler Shutt, God forbid, coming back. But it, it looks like those two are syncing up. Uh, Miles Price had a great catch. Xavier White had a great night. Um, Dre McRae, of course, had that very long play. He just, I think he just caught a DB flat footed, just outran him, which was awesome. And I think you can see that the receivers are expecting the ball to be where they want it to be with Baron Morton in the game. And that, that overall is huge. I thought he was great. I mean, we're going to talk about those drives that kind of went awry in a minute, but, you know, focusing on the positives, this is the offensive performance that would have beaten BYU. And this is the offensive performance that might have been able to get you an, uh, a victory over Kansas State. I'm not saying for certain because the offense was stumbling before, well before Barron was knocked out of the game. But you had no chance with Jake Strong coming in. And let's be honest here. If Barron Morton plays, you beat BYU by 30. That's a really bad football team. And they curl up into a ball the entire night and just let you turn it over, over and over again. So we wanted to see what the offense looks like as it's getting healthier. And it looked great. I mean, I, I like I said, I thought Kitley called one of his better games. And I thought Barron Morton executed extremely well. Um, you know, I think his shoulder was also feeling better for the first time in a while. I think taking those that time off allowed him to fully heal, and you saw a lot more ability to push the ball downfield um, and a lot more ability to to stretch defenses, to do it accurately and do it consistently. And I think you saw that he just looked more himself in this game. Um, and that's the thing. You got Taj Brooks in the backfield with you, averaging four points seven to carry with 146 yards on the ground. You just don't need to be perfect. You just need to not 
be scared and you need to protect the football. And he, he was confident and he managed the game and he put the ball where it needed to be and he didn't really put it in harm's way. Um, so it was a great return for him. Now, the running game is one we're all very familiar with. Taj Brooks, of course, was phenomenal in this effort. Cameron Valdez really has become a non-factor in the offense. Um, not surprisingly, he hasn't really... Outside of, uh, of uh, what was it, Tarleton State, he really hasn't had an impact game per se. Uh, and in between moments of greatness, we've had some real dumb decisions, including the penalty it took. But Taj is, is the workhorse. He's the top back in the conference and one of the top backs, if not the top back in the nation. Uh, I mean, he, he was – it was tough sledding. I'll, be, I'll give TCU's defense a lot of credit here. He did not have an easy go of it. He really worked for that yardage. Um, I mean, longest rush on the night was 20 yards. There was no real explosive plays from him. He grinded it out. Jack, what does it mean for this offense for Taj to continue to be able to do what he's doing? And what, what can Tech do better to help him? I mean, 30 carries to get 140 yards is not necessarily a phenomenal night. It's a great night and a night where he was being hit at the line of scrimmage constantly. But what can Tech do to help free him up and make it a little bit easier? As far as making things easier for him, I mean it it goes along with the line. You know, we already have the the two positions that we flip flop the Rusty to guard, Dennis to center, and then we're still working in Jacoby there on the other guard position because Cole Spencer's still out. So I mean a lot of mix and matching there in the offensive line. And you know, it's it you know, as everybody else knows, you know. The offensive line has to work as a unit. The, the more they play together, the more snaps they get together, the better they're going to be. And I think a whole lot of what Taj's production is hinged on is, you know, the offensive line being a, a cohesive group. Now, that doesn't dismiss what Taj is doing anyway. I mean, he had like 15 or 16 missed tackles in the TCU game or in the game on Thursday. And, you know, he's making plays happen for himself. I mean, he's just a workhorse. He's he's a monster back there. And he's the most, I would say it's fair to say that he is the least talked about top five running back in the nation right now, given his production. And I said that there, and I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, somebody was asking about, you know, Taj Brooks carries and, you know, he's only 11 yards away from a thousand. And I was like, well, if he was utilized, right he'd only be 11 yards away from 1200. And I truly believe that. And I'm going to stand on that. He's just that kind of back. He should be leading the nation in rushing, but that's neither here or there. He's just, he's your workhorse. I'd like to see cam get involved a little bit more just to, to spell Taj, some of those extra hits, those extra runs, things like that, you know, to give him a little bit of a blow, but you know, that's, that's, Kitley's call, if I'm not mistaken, there or whoever's in the ball game, but I w- I would like to see Cam get some more carries because he's he's that home run hitter back. You know, once he gets out in the open field, enjoy trying to catch him. So I I I think these next three games are going to be crucial. I mean, they're crucial for a lot of reasons, the bull hopes, things like that. But I think we still need to be riding riding Taj. And, you know, making the game a little bit easier for Baron back there when he's when he's, you know, making the short passes, little passes, things like that. Now, let's talk about those drives that didn't work. So Texas Tech. 
I'm not saying you were just crushing TCU in the first half because it was still a pretty hotly contested game, but you were fairly comfortably ahead at halftime. Um, you know, the, the, the long Gino Garcia field goal felt really, really good to see go through. Um, you took that the, a 20 to 7 lead at half. And to be honest, the wheels kind of fell off there at the start of the second half. You had a quick drive, not a three and out, but a quick drive, then a three and out, and then another quick drive, all ending in uh, uh, punts. Really, the, the turning point of this game was the Hoover interception after TCU had gotten the ball back following taking the lead, which allowed Tech to really, I think, find its momentum again. But let's talk about those drives for a minute. Joe, the, 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 the complaints about this offense have been the inconsistency and both the play calling and um, the stupid moments in this game. So let's, let's look at these drives for a minute. So the first drive out of half, Brooks rushes to five, three straight passes for Morton, gain positive yardage. Brooks is stuffed on second and eight, but the real backbreaker on that drive being the false start penalty by an offensive lineman. Um, that killed that drive. Next drive out, we came up and uh, Brooks went nowhere on first down. Morton couldn't complete on second. And then another false start penalty killed that drive. In fact, he, Eaton actually got within one yard and Morton uh, or uh, Joey McGuire made the decision to go for it on fourth and one and Brooks was stuffed. So right out of the gate, you know, you're kind of counting on those opening drives to be ones you're putting the way, the game away. What did it tell you that tech is consistently unable to really put teams away in the second half and consistently be able to put together successful drives, even using weapons, because that's the thing. Like you look at that drive summary, normally we complain about Taj not getting the ball, but he got it fourth and one big moment. And he's absolutely shellacked due to lock, lack of blocking. The whole play was kind of a mess. Um, what, what, what seems to be the issue here and what, what about that? Um, worries you going forward with bowl eligibility still on the line well it was it was rough watching from the stands the first three drives coming out of the half um all the mistakes that you weren't making in the first half all came to fruition at the start you know you have the the penalties you have you know quick punts you have a you go for it on fourth on your side of the on your side of the field, you don't get it. And then another short drive killed by a penalty. I think each one of those drives had a had a penalty that was just backbreaking. And it's I don't know whether it's a discipline issue, it's a not getting enough playing time issue. Cause I believe two of the three were on Jackson, the one filling in for Spencer, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. If you don't want to, if you want to check that out, just correct me if I'm wrong. But they're backbreaking and analytics aside going forward on that fourth down, I'm probably punting it there. You're giving up. I mean, that's essentially how TCU got back into the, into the football game. If you look at it, we punt TCU comes down and scores. We get stopped on fourth down. TCU comes back and scores. Then we punt again. And then lucky for you to your, to your point, um, rabbit gets that interception there in the late in the third quarter to kind of just, um, turn things around. We go back down after that and score a touchdown, you know, so, and that's kind of how the rest of the game played out. So those three, those three first drives coming out of the half were really, were, were really telling because you want to take the next step. And I, I know I've said this a whole lot of times, 
before in different podcasts that you're just looking to build on something from the next, you know, whether that be a quarter at a time, a game at a time, a play at a time, you know, you want to build on that and continued success. And the offensive line had built some pretty decent success in that first, those first two quarters, you know, keeping Baron upright, giving running lengths for Taj. It was going good. And then it just like, they forgot who they were up front. Um, We forgot who we were on the offensive side, you know, play calling was kind of questionable there as well. You know, all these things that, you know, kind of doomed us in the past all kind of just reared their head. And who knows what would have happened if that interception didn't happen by rabbit, you know, and these are, these are turning points. You can't be making mistakes like that. Two of the next three games that you have are on the road against damn good teams, Kansas and Texas. I mean, you, you do that to teams like that. They'll run you off of the field and that's plain and simple. And we'll be watching bowl season from home, all the other teams. So it's just, some of its stupid mistakes that I think could be corrected, but you know, to beat a dead horse where we've been saying this all year, you know? So it's, it's one thing or another. We just need to be more consistent, more discipline and go from there. Like I said, that rabbit interception was essentially the turning point there because those three first possessions were pretty terrible there. That tech came out and flat. So I don't know exactly what the fix is for a discipline issue that goes up the ladder to coaching ultimately um, and then the players wanting it. So, like I said, I, th- I think it's a fixable issue, but you can't have that whenever the next three games that you have are your most important three games on your schedule. You know, it, it... – it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what a head coach is like really responsible for at any given time. They're going to take the brunt of the responsibility as they should for any outcome. But it's hard to say like in a game, what is a head coach actually tangibly touching? Some head coaches are play callers. Some head coaches are um, uh, defensive play callers. Some head coaches are more like Jerry McGuire, where they don't really have a hand in the day to day. Their their job is mostly managing the game, and that's where those penalties are so frustrating because that is something Joey McGuire was specifically brought in to correct. And this is the second coach we've been talking about this with. You know, after Kingsbury was gone, Matt Wells was brought in as like the discipline guy. That's what we were sold on, and it never materialized. His teams were wildly undisciplined, did a bunch of dumb stuff, caught, did, got inopportune penalties, turnovers, etc. Fast forward now to the Joe McGuire era, and we're still not seeing a disciplined football team, right? Like culture, brand, all that's great, and I strongly believe in what Joe McGuire is building, but there is a problem with how consistently we screw up pre-snap. How many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties we take how many dumb decisions guys make returning kicks or or, uh, lack of ball security and these things that are just the direct result of your culture and your discipline as a program and that's what I blame a head coach most for in game is when I see stuff like that it's deeply upsetting and like I said you Koi Eakin catches that ball one yard short of the first down on third and 15 and the the ill opportune um decision to go for it and i only say that because it didn't work if it had worked nobody would have cared but you know that gets stopped but imagine it's third and 10 and you find a route 12 yards down the field that drive could have gotten you going tcu was on your heels um you know that that would have allowed you to put some more distance between you and 
uh, the Horn Frogs, and instead you're immediately backed up because of another pre-snap penalty on a critical third and long. So, like, that has been the most frustrating thing to watch this year, is how dumb this team plays at times. Because I think you've beaten yourself so many times, especially offensively. You know, I, I, I look back at game after game after game, and there's very few times where, like, they just took away what you wanted to do. And I will, again, give credit to the Horn Frogs. They made Taj work for every damn yard. You know, you really had to play pretty good football most of the game and protect the ball and do all that just to get the to get it going. Because TCU defensively did not make a tremendous amount of mistakes. Um, and you played well, more or less, for three out of four quarters of total football. But that's the problem. It's that, that fourth quarter. Um, and I don't mean that literally because you played well in this fourth quarter. I mean the sense of three out of four is not good enough. That missing quarter has killed you game after game after game after game. And it, it's just becoming a pattern. And look, we have not played well on the road against McGuire. And the thing that could sink us most in Lawrence is this mentality of we can take a quarter off. We don't have to show up in the first half. We don't have to show up in the third quarter. Ah, uh, the fourth quarter is a little too much for us. Like you have to play all four quarters. You have to be even kilter. You have to be consistent. And they haven't really done that to date um, in any game. And th this was another example of that, right? Like TCU, if it doesn't have Josh Hoover at quarterback, who made a lot of bad throws and a lot of mistakes, and really he was under duress a lot. It's not entirely on him. Um, play calling didn't help him. I thought the offensive line didn't block that well for him. And that's out of the ball. But really, if he doesn't make the mistakes he made in a couple of big moments, TCU beats you. And I, I don't like relying on your opponent to beat itself. I'm proud that Tech, outside of that third quarter, took care of business and protected the ball and made big plays and played smart within itself. But until they do it for an entire game, it is worrying to see. Because you're going to play a Kansas team that's got a lot of momentum and a lot of uh, kind of that scrappy dog in them. But they also play pretty good disciplined football. And, you know, Lance Leopold is building something pretty special out there in Lawrence. And you are trying to knock them off a dream season here. You are trying to do that. You are trying to derail their best season in, I mean, since uh, Mangino was there. So to do that, you cannot play three out of four quarters. You can't not show up in the first half. You have to be smart. You have to do the little things right. You have to win these games in the margin. The games Tech has played the best in have been the games they've done the best in the margins. You know, against Houston is a great example of this. Defense did show up for half of football, and it put you way behind the eight ball. But then in the second half, you played perfect football in every phase, and you pulled away. You know, Baylor, great another great example of this. You just outplayed the Bears in pretty much every facet of that game, and you comfortably beat a bad team. Kansas is not a bad team. You want to compete with good football teams, you have to do those things just to get in the door and then hope you've got the talent and the horses to run with them. So we can't see more of this. If you have another three drives like that without we're as self-destructive as any, when you're trying to put a game away, Kansas is going to beat you. That's, that's just the end of the story. And that is really the biggest negative to come out of this game is those three drives and the lack of consistency from this football team, which is maddening. Otherwise, I don't have a ton of complaints. You know, you really did what I hoped you would do in this football game to beat TCU. And, you know, I just, I want you to see it. To do, I want them to do it for four straight quarters. That's what I want to see. I'm like you said, I don't know what the fix necessarily is. I don't know if it's in preparation, if it's in the locker room, like where this needs to be addressed, but consistent football for four quarters is the name of the game to get to bowl eligibility. You play in consistent football. You will not get to bowl eligibility because you got to beat two out of your next three and two of those football teams are going to be favorites. 
Texas is likely to be a heavy favorite in that final game. And you're not going to be in their realm if you do dumb things in the margins offensively and really defensively. You know, there have been plenty of times I've had issues with how the defense is busted in critical moments. But overall, the offense has had this happen far more often than not. But the flip side of this is the defense has these three drives. And we're going to start here because we're going to start negative with the defense. Kind of get that out of the way and then talk about the positives. We're on the uh, justifiably talking about the offense's issues out of those three drives out of the gate, but TCU took it right to you defensively in the second half. You're up 20 to seven. You're up 13 points. It's not a huge lead to protect, but your offense is on its heels a bit. You give up out of the half after that first busted drive, you give up a 93 yard, three minute, 51 second drive. I mean, TCU just marches straight down the field, converts three third and longs, back-to-back third and 14s, just a back-breaking drive. After the following Texas Tech stuff, it's a short yardage situation. Defense needs to bow up, really make a play. TC scores five plays later. Now, it's not hard. It's a bit hard to really get up on them for that second drive, but still, both two moments you wanted your defense to make a play, nowhere to be found a whole quarter almost of football gone without any anybody playing well for Texas Tech. Let's start with that negative, Joe. What's been the Achilles heel for this defense? In these moments where they've had these lapses, where teams have been able to really get after them, what's been the biggest issue? Biggest issue is just being undisciplined. I mean, you're not staying in your gaps. And if you rewind, I guess, back to the Kansas State game a few weeks back, it was the same kind of deal, undisciplined. You didn't stay in your lanes. Obviously, TCU didn't gash us on the ground like Kansas State did. But it, it, to the same point, I mean, we were undisciplined. I mean, we have moving pieces there. And a lot of this, I don't know if I'm giving them a pass or if I'm just a little bit more open to the idea of why it was bad at certain times here. You had Jacob Rodriguez coming back who hadn't been playing the last game since the Wyoming game. So you're throwing him back into the mix. Steve Linton wasn't there. And then you flip-flopped Baskerville and Tyler Owens. So Baskerville was on the back end. Tyler Owens was closer to the line. Things like that. You know, all these all these different defensive changes were made prior to this game in, in the bye week, you know. So a lot of it, like I said, is just, is being undisciplined, not staying in your gap, um, looking too much in the backfield. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how many passing yards he had, but I think it was over 300 passing yards. I mean, if any any defense, that's a terrible, terrible day in the office. But, you know, if you hold them to the running game, very minimal like you did, then it doesn't seem quite as bad. But still, there was some plays there that you just couldn't get home to bring the quarterback down, you only had one tackle for loss. You're not, you know, the the pressure that we're supposed to be getting, the pressure's there, but it's not there getting home. So I I just think it we're on the cusp there, given the circumstances of so many moving pieces on the back end with our defense and reacclimating other players back in, uh, and the amount of youth that we have playing as well. I mean, I saw Marion Horn out there. I saw Dylan Spencer out there, Brendan Jordan out there. All these guys are true freshmen, you know, a lot, you know, you, you usually give these guys a pass, right? Just because of the youth. It's like, oh, 
you know, like what we were saying with Shuck earlier in the year, you know, you would give Morton a pass because guess what? He hasn't been playing as long as Shuck has, but we can't give Shuck a pass because he's been playing so long in this system and things like that. So I, I feel it's, it's similar in a, in a way that we have so many, so much youth on the defensive side. It's just like, they're going to get better. Now that's also DeRuder's job and putting all the pieces in play to make sure that the defense is getting called. I mean, at some time at, at times this year, this defense has looked fantastic. You know, they, they do what they need to do for bad against bad teams. And there was some lapses there. And these two drives after the tech offense, you know, faltered those first two. I mean, they just gave it to us just like Houston did at the start. And, I know the the corrections were made. I know that, you know, adjustments were made and then the momentum was kind of just automatically taken from TCU and given back to Tech on that interception. And, you know, we we never we never looked back after that. But it's it's tough to see, you know, just undisciplined between undisciplined and youth that we have on that side of the ball. Um, I would say that that's the biggest issues and like i said if you if you let a bad team do that to you what do you think a good team's going to do to you you know you can't have those you can't have those lapses or else to like what i said earlier you'll get you're going to get run off the field you're just going to be made 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 fun of you're going to give up the long play you're going to get gashed and you're going to be embarrassed in some aspects so it it something needs to change on that side of the ball Obviously, I don't know exactly what because you know you can't you can't change youth. You can't just tell these guys that are in there that are true freshmen, hey, this is how it's going to be. You know, it's kind of trial by fire. But I, the discipline issues, I think that could be fixed. Deruder's got to be better at some of these different in-game deals whenever the offense falters to you know make sure that his defense is ready to go out there and make a stop because you know the offense put him in a bad spot and. It just hasn't happened consistently enough for us, but um, we need to get it get it done. Two of three isn't isn't an easy task, so we'll see what Deruder has planned. Maybe the extra couple of days gives us a chance to watch um, Kansas and what they do, um, rest some more of our guys. But you know this defense going to need to come out and play, or else Kansas is going to you know take care of business at home. The no, the 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 inability, I should say, to actually finish a sack is one of the damnedest things I've ever witnessed. Because Deruder is blitzing like crazy, and over and over and over again, you just whiff on it. I mean that that is absolutely bonkers to me that it happens as often as it does. I mean just bonkers to me that you've got guys who cannot tackle in the backfield, who cannot keep contained. Because I, I can accept that um, your best two defensive linemen are in the interior, which means you're not. Those guys aren't necessarily going to be sack machines. Their job is to pressure quarterbacks, force them towards the edge, and let somebody else clean it up. And I can understand not every blitz is going to get home. But holy fuck, does it feel like nothing gets home for Tech. Every time a pressure gets home, cornerbacks can easily roll out of it or there's somebody wide open to throw to. I, I know this is what Tim DeRuder does defensively, but third and eight, third and 14, third and 14 in the same 
drive by a backup quarterback who, frankly, was not playing well is unacceptable. Unacceptable. And you've done it all year. Like, it'd be one thing if this was in a vacuum, but this has happened to you all season and there's been no correction to it. And look, Steve Linton didn't play this game. I, I believe the current rumbling says he's going to be back potentially this coming week. You got Jacob Rodriguez, but in limited capacity. I wasn't expecting perfection, no, nor do I think that the defense has played poorly this season. They've been much improved from previous renditions. But what has killed them is the lack of finish on any pressure and the inability to consistently get to the quarterback. And if you don't contain Jason Bean, you will lose this game by 40. You will lose this game by 40 because his best weapon, I think the thing he feels most comfortable with, is his legs out in space. And if you get him dead to rights and you so many weak-ass arm tackles and little uh, standing straight up and just kind of swinging at the quarterback, I, I don't understand how that happens as often as it does. It's just maddening because I think the defense has played so well overall. And there's just been moments where I'm like, I, how do we not do that right when we do all these other things right? Uh, my other complaint is like the secondary leaves a lot of people wide open. Um, I knew there was going to be growing pains making the switch between Tyler Owens and CJ Baskerville, but it looked like the secondary was out of sorts. I mean, they, they're TCU guys were running free all night. Hoover missed more than they covered. You know, I don't know how many PBUs were recorded in this game, but I know Hoover missed wide open guys more than there were pass breakups. Um, I mean, the pick was literally thrown directly at Rabbit that changed the game. He dropped a couple more where they were thrown at him, um, and one got wiped off due to penalty. So, you know, I, I just, those are the two things that have me concerned is this defense did not play, I think, up to its usual standard in a lot of ways. They're still very good against the run. Um, I thought it was heartening to see that you were able to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. Still no finish, but it was there. But you've got to you got to finish as a defensive unit. You have got to finish. We are not. We saw what happened when you bust on those back breaking third and longs. When you miss the golden opportunities right in front of you because you don't do that last little step, you pay for it. Tech has paid for it all season. All season, those have ended badly for us. And against Kansas with Jason Bean now feeling himself a bit, don't give him anything easy. And when you've got him dead to rights, bring him down. You're going to give up some plays to Kansas. It's a good offense. They run a lot of complicated motions. They play a lot of complicated systems. TCU didn't. Kendall Bryles' offense is terrible. Dude's a shitty person and a worse offensive coordinator. And there were too many op there were too much miscommunication, and there was too much just not finishing when you had someone dead to rights. Thankfully, you're still incredibly good on the against the ground game. I mean, I think there was 87 yards rushing in this game for TCU, and you did a better job putting pressure on Hoover as the game went on. And I think you did a good job overall, at least pressuring him. It's just the finish that that's the next step for this defense to get from a middle tier 50th rated defense to like a 30 rated defense. That's the difference is recording sacks, consistently containing quarterbacks, and not letting receivers running wide open. Um, I think another week of having Owens and Baskerville's flopped, you're going to swapped, excuse me, you're going to have a lot more um, communication sewn up on the back end, which should help overall with, I think, some of the stuff we saw. You know, I knew that was probably going to be a learning experience for those two guys. 
hopefully that move pays off dividends going forward. But th- th- this was obviously the negative of the defense were those couple of drives, those those moments. But there was a lot to like from the defense of the unit. I'm harsh on them because they've been carrying this team and I have high expectations, but they have played very well. And let's start where they played best, which is, as I just mentioned, completely stuffed out, snuffed out Bailey. Um, Joe, what do you what do you see from this linebacker group? You know, Jacob Rodriguez played, I believe, 30, 35 snaps. So he was back, but in pretty limited capacity. What do you see from this linebacker group overall that's made you feel good about how they're developing and getting better? I mean, it's it's easy to kind of just go based on, you know, Ben Roberts, right? Ben Roberts has been the most consistent person on this defense you know, since Jacob went down in Wyoming, you know, and this was one of those games. I mean, I didn't hear his name called a lot um, to be completely honest there. And, um, but I've been, I've been surprised, you know, going into the season, the linebacking group had the most question marks, you know, having to replace Krishan and then having to replace um, Jesus, uh, Kosi. You know, those those two guys, you know, those aren't easy shoes to fill, just like Miles Cole trying to fill the shoes of. Of um, Tyree, you know, and this was like I said, this was the group that had the most question marks, and it seems like they've played the most consistent football on this defense all year long Um, between I think Bryce Ramirez has been back there. Ben Roberts, Jacob Rodriguez, um, Joseph Adidere, all of those. Dylan Spencer, I think, is classified as a linebacker as well. All these guys, you know, they've stepped up at, and they're they're all f- fairly young guys. So this is the group that is essentially the the pulse of this defense. I mean, our defensive front is good, but they haven't, you know, to your point, haven't been getting home, bringing the quarterback down. But I mean, these linebacking groups of the linebacking core that we have right now flies around they're young and they're hungry and they get better every week i expect jacob to get a few more snaps against kansas kansas this saturday and his his um you know his leadership alone getting guys put in their place making sure we're lined up in the right places i mean that's just going to make this defense that much more that that much more consistent moving forward as far as you know lining up because you know the Kansas state game, I'm just going to go back to that one, you know, all the motions and things like that, you know, that tore us up. That's mostly because we were kind of caught on our heels and we didn't have somebody who knew what was going on. I think that we attacked this a little bit different this Saturday. And with the, with Jacob Rodriguez being back on that defensive side, I think that'll help us out um, further manage the game on defense. And, you know, hopefully to your point, you know, if we get the quarterback on the ground, then I'd like our chances. But if we can't make those open field tackles or get him to the ground, we are easily losing this game by 20 plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Surprisingly, Jacob Rodriguez is battling, um, you know, since his injury, he's battling that that four-game, you know, uh, redshirt limit. He has He can't play in one of the next three. And surprisingly... According to Joey McGuire, at least the current plan is for him not to play against Texas, which I really don't understand. Um, I would rather him not play against UCF by a wide margin and use him against Texas. Um, I guess the thinking is you win these next two and get to bowl eligibility and then Texas is just bonus. But I would love to have him for that game because Texas has got a good running game. Um, and depending on Quinn Ewers' status, it could be a, a pivotal, pivotal part of the game to be able to control the interior of the defense on the ground. But regardless, his return obviously had played a marked dividend. Um, he was the leading tackler of your linebacking group. Um, look, Ben Roberts is being forced into the fire a lot, and there's been growing pains and there's things not to like about his game right now. But it, he stayed on the field. He's played his way to staying on the field. He's played his way into being productive. And I think he's getting better week to week. And it speaks highly about his future development. You know, I, the linebacker group is probably still the weakness of this team. It's been helped a ton by how dominant the interior of your defensive line is. But overall, I, to be expected from a group this banged up, you lost your leader in Rodriguez. They've held their own. And the defense hasn't necessarily been too vulnerable in the middle of the field um i think overall it's just exciting to see young talent in this defensive unit in general um it's exciting to see guys who we weren't expecting to be this productive this early be that productive this early and it's exciting to know that you know tech is continuing to generate top tier linebacker talent we've had several guys nfl caliber linebackers the last few years um it's great to see a guy like ben roberts who might be the next in the line of that it's great to see a guy that he may be paired with jacob rodriguez and likely will be the next several years you know once rodriguez is redshirt i think that gives him maybe two three more years of eligibility with that red shirt um so that 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 duo is going to be really exciting going forward in the meantime you just continue to hope for robert's development you continue to hope jacob rodriguez can stay on the field and can stay healthy and overall you just you you just hope that group continues to do enough not to expose the underbelly of this defense and so far I, i've been impressed by them they've worked really hard um they've been battling a lot of minutes a lot of uh, uh big moments that they've made great plays in and you know it's just it's tough out there right now for this group with Rodriguez back, it's going to get a little bit easier. So it's good for it's good for the team overall, and that's going to be a huge storyline to watch: is what impact is Rodriguez able to have in limited minutes, and what games does he actually play in down the line? Like I said, I would not play him against UCF. I'd play him against Texas. 
I think if you can't beat UCF with a backup linebacker, um, with how bad they are, then you just you're just not you won't be on the field with Texas anyway. So I say you put everything you've got into beating the two best teams that you're going to play, which is Kansas and Texas. But that's just me. Um, let's talk a bit about the overall feel after this game. How what did this game make you think? for Texas Tech going forward? How did it improve your opinion of bowl eligibility hopes? What do you think about the momentum they've got? And things of that nature. What's the bigger picture? Joe, after this one, how are you feeling? Um, There's a little light at the end of the tunnel. There's a little shimmer of hope. There's that little, little flame that could ultimately turn into a fire, but it hasn't, you know, it hasn't caught fire yet. You know, it's just a match that just got struck. Um, I, it was a tough ask, you know, winning three out of your, your next four, having two of the toughest games on the four away from, from Lubbock and, you know, how we play on the road. It's, you know, that's a tough ask and I'm still kind of uneasy on it because we, the first, the first of the two tougher matches, um, is on Saturday morning. So I'm still I'm still hanging on to that thread. I mean, yeah, that thread, because like I said, it's a tough ask. I mean, it's, you're not, you're not just going to waltz into Kansas and beat them by 28 points. That's not the Kansas of, of past, you know, that's not the Kansas team we're going to see. Um, a UCF team to your point also, um, if you can't beat it with, you know, some backups there to save some guys, red shirts and, you know, you don't deserve to be in a bowl game, you know? So let's, so it's three, three games left, one at Kansas home at UCF. And then in Austin, I, like I said, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, I'm the half, half glass full guy, you know, I'm, I'm remaining positive. There were some things that we did do well, you know, and it's just building on that. So if we if we stay if we stay true to what we can do and what we're capable of doing, keeping those bone bonehead mistakes out, keeping turnovers down, getting the stops when we need them on defense, and you know running running with Taj and you know making sure that he gets the yards and carries that are necessary, you know to hold the ball, hold time of possession, give our defense a blow, things like that. Then yeah, I still think that we have a a, a fighter's chance. I, I mean, it's not a great fighter's chance, but you know, we're still in the fight. We haven't been completely knocked out yet. So it's it's just being consistent. Like I said, I'm not going to say uh, we got then we're going to sweep the next three and turn our season around going into next year or into a bowl game and then going into next year with all the talent that we have coming in on the recruiting side. You know, things like that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that's what I feel, but I think that we can, if we play consistent football on both sides, then I would say that we have any, we have a shot at the next two for sure, but you're going to have to almost play perfect in Austin, depending on if yours is playing or not. But I mean, they're playing some pretty damn good football, even with uh, Malik back there at the helm. So that's no gimme, you know, so, we just need to we need to take care of business one game at a time. Kansas is on is on dock is on deck next, so we just take care of business, and then we can start talking about how I'm feeling. But as I'm, as we're recording right now, I mean I'm I'm just I'm 
I'm still at the same spot I was prior to the TCU game. Just like, oh, we're just one more win closer to becoming bowl eligible. Nothing to really talk about more than that. I, I'm hopeful and I'm going to stay that way until we start showing that we're we're better than a sub bowl team right now. Yeah, I, I think I feel good about certain parts of this team and I feel good about your top level ability, but it, Texas Tech is the team that I think you could win every remaining game. I think you could lose every remaining game and I think you could get blown out in two out of three. You know, like that, I, I, I do not believe there was anybody in this league truly just leaps and bounds better than you. Demonstrated by the fact you pretty much lost every game close, except for the ones where you had a backup quarterback who couldn't look at the ball without turning it over. And I mean, holy shit, that BYU game is a perfect example of that. Um, so I, I, I just, I don't believe that Tech is incapable of winning the remaining games. It would not shock me at all if you beat Kansas, beat UCF, and beat Texas. But like I just said, like if you do the dumb things, the stuff that it, you you continue to not play four four quarters of football, you continue to lose games in the margin, you can continue to not play up to your potential, but play down to whoever you're up against, all of these games can get away from you. And like I said, Kansas and Texas can blow you out. They're great football teams. Both of them can blow you out. It's going to be a war to get this done and just to get to bowl eligibility. And that, that that's reality. You are what your record says you are. You may be the best four and five team of all time, but you're four and five, so who cares? So you just have to take care of what you can control, which is your effort, your your discipline. And let the chips fall where they may. If you give these games away, I will be deeply disappointed. And having watched TCU where you did try to kind of give it away, I'm very glad you got it done. I'm very glad you got it to a point where you could at least close that one out, get that critical win, build up a little momentum. And I like things that you saw. The offense looks so much better with Baron Morton feeling good and healthy and able to take some of the weight off the Taja's shoulders. Like you said, we're hoping Cameron Valdez can find a way to spell some of those reps. I'd love to see Taj's reps come more down to 20 to 25 range because Cameron's dropping, you know, 10, 10 great touches, averaging 4.5 a carry, giving you a little bit of a, break, a breather for Taj so he doesn't just take a beating all season. But it'll be what it'll be. And I think, you know, the best thing I can say about this team is they have the potential to beat anybody. I don't think there's almost anyone they could play that where I think that, oh, they're just that team's so much better than they are. But at the same time, you're you're you play a way you do where you could lose to anybody. So I, I what I want this TCU game to mean for this team is I want this TCU game to mean that Texas Tech is turning the corner and going to go play four consistent quarters of football from here on out. That's what I want this to mean. That that's all you can hope for at this stage in the game is play your best football as long as you can extend your season by playing your best football. You may not be good enough to be Texas. You may not be good enough to be Kansas. Hell, I hope you're good enough to be UCF. Just saying, but you may not. You, maybe those teams just are better than you. It happens, right? Like maybe you outplayed Oregon and lost to them. But maybe Oregon on most days was just better than you were. You know, all that's possible. It is a thing in football. But if you play your best and that's what happens, all right. You lose a barn burner in Lawrence because they're just a little bit better than you. They're on a season of, of destiny of sorts. Okay, I can accept that. But if you lose in Lawrence because you turn the ball over, because you do stupid stuff, because you don't make the right decisions in critical moments, you don't play your football, I'll be pretty disheartened. And I hope this TCU game is the last time we see inconsistent performance from this team. 
Um, that's going to bring us to the end of our show. Like I said, we're going to have a lot of basketball podcasts coming out with the season, both men and women's starting women's, I believe is tomorrow, men's Wednesday. Um, we're going to have lots of content out on both those fronts. We're going to have our preview looking Thursday evening, and we will be back to talk more all week as well as have articles covering these topics if there's anything you want us to talk about any particular thing you want us to write about feel free to let us know ladies and gentlemen you can always reach us on twitter um, like subscribe follow whatever it is on whatever major podcasting platform you'll find us there we're a proud member of the fans for sports network so you can head to our website and find other great college football podcasts as well on the web page that maybe you want to follow or maybe you're an nmlb guy or an nc uh nfl guy or an nba guy whatever the case may be there's likely a podcast for you on our network so enjoy the rest of your week guys we'll be talking very soon and rack up